You can send all the web traffic in the world to your website, but if you don't get the words right, then no one will listen. Download my free guide on how to write web copy that converts at privatepracticeworkshop.com forward slash guide. That's privatepracticeworkshop.com forward slash guide. All right, let's dive in. My friend Joe Sanok back on the show. I um I've used your name a couple times in the past few months and I just keep saying hashtag Joe Sanok, hashtag slowdown school, hashtag practice of the practice. I don't know why, just when I talk about you, I start talking in hashtags. <laughs> that would be awesome. All of a sudden Joe Sanok's trending and I don't know why. <laughs> You're like, where are all these coming from? Um <laughs> Now I know the source. There you go. Yeah, I, I gave you a couple shout outs because um, I started talking about um, the importance of slowing down and who I learned it from and where I learned it. And um, But yeah, man, I'm happy to have you on the show again. It's always good to see you. And um, uh, what's been going on in your world? Man, you know, I have an almost seven-year-old and a three-year-old, and they that's thats the biggest thing in my life is, you know, I come home and we play and our neighborhood is just amazing. We've been barbecuing with friends and I mean, it's just an amazing neighborhood that we're in right now. So I'd say that that's, that's the big thing, but I've been working on a lot of stuff with Practice the Practice too that we can dive into and yeah. helping people, especially starting their practices. That, that's been a lot of fun too. Michigan is one of my favorite places in the summer. People, it's like, I know you believe this, but I'll just throw it in there. It's one of the most underrated places. <laughs> I totally people agree. who haven't been. And I don't know, everyone who goes to Michigan in the summer gets their mind blown. Yeah. I mean, I was just walking this guy, Mohammed, around who is from Ontario. He came here for TEDx and we spent the afternoon together just driving around uh, Leelanau County where you and I spent part of last summer, uh, went down to Fishtown and all these other places. And he was like, is the water always this clear? And I was like, yes, it uh-huh. is. Al- it never changes. You can always see the bottom. <laughs> you can count on it. I know. That's... See, it kind of blows my mind that people yeah. live places where water is not this clear. <laughs> yeah, we were... Um... Uh, we were in Mexico um, last month or for, for about a month, and um, I love – I mean, the clear water is incredible. There was also yeah. – um, there's like massive amounts of seaweed that had washed up, and it's kind of funny how everyone we, everyone kind of freaks out about it and complains, and it's like – in reality, it's just Mother Nature happening, or it's global right. warming happening. I don't know. Maybe sure. some of both. <laughs> Yeah, and you guys were down in Tulum, which is one of my favorite places. We yeah. went there for our, our baby moon right before Lucia was born. And uh, there's, there was this National Geographic find down there of this like antique cannon of a like pirate ship. And so we took this boat out to see it. And I was picturing this like gigantic cannon, but it was like probably six inches. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, wait, I, I like chartered this boat to snorkel down to see this like pirate cannon. And it's like smaller than a handgun <laughs> they're like hey man it's still a cannon you know we didn't yeah. we didn't specify yeah we didn't specify the size <laughs> that's so. like when they're like you know swim with live alligators and it's like a six inch alligator yeah <laughs> absolutely like hey no we don't hey. do we don't issue any refunds absolutely uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well i'm excited to to kind of talk about um uh the folks who are in the kind of zero to 100k range because i think there's a tremendous amount of private practitioners who are in that range. 
I would love to have numbers on this actually, um, of like roughly who, who is in that phase of practice building and then who's in the next phase and then kind of the, the, the big, big, bigger phase. Um, but yeah, you interact with a lot of people in all phases of private practice. So what, what do you see in that say zero to 100 K range? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a number of things that people can do in their mindsets when they first start out that will help them be more successful over time. So the first thing I would say is to really evaluate what do you want your practice to look like in a year and then work backward from there. Uh, So in the book, The One Thing, Jay Papazan um, talks about uh, exactly how you do this. And so you want to look at what's the kind of practice that you want? Because uh, a lot of times there'll be these common mindsets that go around in our communities. Like you can't make it if you're not on insurance or you know, if you're good enough, then your branding will speak for itself. You don't have to do any branding or marketing because you'll just be good. Or uh, you never have to network because you don't want to be slimy and uh, you don't want to be salesy with people. And these mindsets we hear when we're kind of raised in this grad student nonprofit world that really limits our ability to grow. And so starting with, well, what kind of practice do you want? Do you want it to be based on quality? Do you want it to be based on quantity? Do you want it to be a mixture of the two? So that's going to then lead you to, well, do I want to take insurance? What kind of client do I want? What's my ideal client need to look like that fits my lifestyle a year from now? If I have a thriving practice, do I want to be working Saturdays? Do I want to work every evening? Or do I need to have some of my ideal client be somebody that actually comes during the day. Uh, and so I don't have to spend every evening away from my kids. Yeah. Um, and so working backward is, is one of the best ways to really clearly answer those questions because I'm a firm believer in starting with what's the life you want to live uh, and how does then your business help fuel that life? Now, that doesn't mean you just sit around on the beach all day long and stand up paddleboard. That's fun. But you know, then what you do is you know that there's going to be sprints when you're going to run full tilt, but that's not going to be necessarily how you start your whole practice uh, or keep your practice going. So the first thing, start with, you know, what you want uh, your practice to look like after a year or so. Uh, I talked a little bit just a second ago about your ideal client. So really identifying who is it that you want to attract. One of the most common questions that I get on the podcast or from emails is, well, why should I specialize? Like I can do everything. And what I'll frequently say, and I think I probably stole this from someone, is if you went to some fancy French restaurant and say I was in the mood for a hamburger and Christina would be like, well, then why are we at a fancy French restaurant if you want a burger? (laughs) But like say I was there and I said to the chef, like, I I would rather have a burger. Do you have a burger? If they made me a burger, it would be amazing. They would probably have like dry roasted garlic that they infused with with bacon. And I mean, it would be insane. But if I went to a mom and pop diner and said, I'd like some creme brulee, it would be disgusting. Um, And so we always assume that a specialist can be a generalist, but we never assume that a generalist will be a specialist. So a heart surgeon, you you can ask about a rash on your arm, but you're not going to ask your primary care doctor to do heart surgery. So the next thing I would say is really drill in to your business avatar or your ideal client and sketch that out. Have it be an actual profile of a person. Mm -hmm. And so give them a name, give them an age. What are their worries? Kelly Higdon, you know, taught us what the night before they pick up the phone to call a counseling practice, you know, what were they thinking about? Uh, And then after that, be able to speak about that in a way that's normal, yeah. <laughs> like not clinical, just be normal. Um, yeah, that's, so if that's you, huge. yeah, cause you know, people don't care about, you know, past childhood resentment and all these other clinical terms we might use. They want to know what it means to them. And mm-hmm. so if you then are able to articulate it in the same way that if John, you and I were at a potluck and someone said, well, you know, clinically, John, who do you work with? And you're able to say, well, I help angry kids that, you know, keep getting kicked out of school. 
that's way more approachable than I work with oppositional defiant disorder children. Yeah. And then someone's like, well, what's that? Instead of the next follow-up question being, whoa, like how do you help them? Yeah. You can get to what you do so much faster when you just talk normal. Talk about the connection between um, ideal client and niche, because I see a lot of therapists who um, they niche down really narrow right off the bat because, simply because they think that's what they should do, or they've heard it through the grapevine, or they think, um, I want to do something so incredibly specific. Um, and they do that, and I think some therapists are then disappointed at the, the rate of growth, because yes, you have a much clearer um, target, but that target's a little bit smaller, so it's going to be a little bit more, um, it might be more work to really hit that. So how do, how do you um, kind of connect the two? Yeah, I think there's a couple of factors you want to consider. I mean, you want to look at the size of your town. So I live in northern Michigan in Traverse City. There's like 40,000 people here. So if I focused in on adult children of alcoholics that are dealing with cutting, I might have five people that could yeah. come. So yeah. there's just not that market here. So start with just your market. Uh, I would say second, you want to look at your passion. What are you excited about? Uh, where do you have trainings? Where do you need to get some extra trainings? Uh, and then third, uh, really look at how how well can you speak to that person? Uh, so when you do specialize, it helps you stand out. But you're absolutely right that you don't want to limit yourself too much. So if you realize, okay, my market can't handle adult children of alcoholics that cut, well, you know, what is the unifying thing there? Well, I like helping people that had a rough childhood or I, I like helping successful adults that had a rough childhood. Well, that's a much bigger market. You can still help that that target audience that maybe you want to attract, but then you can then focus your marketing in in different ways. So when you're known for a specialty, so say it was people that were raised in toxic family situations, you then can write blog posts, you can have social media posts, you can share other people's TED Talks or other people's Huffington Post articles all around that topic, rather than being kind of hodgepodge in the way that you approach your marketing and your branding. Yeah, it's, um, I think, yeah, I think there's just a lot of sticking points toward the beginning of starting a practice. And so, and I see this a lot with the, the therapists that I work with, um, those sticking points can either keep you stuck for weeks or even months on end, or you can you can move through them quickly um, with the right kind of support, the right kind of resources. Uh, I think the other challenge that that private practitioners everywhere are up against is that the answers to your questions about practice building are probably out there somewhere on the internet, mm-hmm. but it might be that we even have too much information available, and so therapists <clears throat> get really stuck on the implementation of it or the what do I do next, right? So I think a lot of success in practice building is making the right decisions at the right times or doing things in the correct order, right? So for instance, like I see a lot of therapists very early on, they have zero clients and they're spending, you know, three hours a day trying to build their Instagram following, right? And then I right. talk about it and it's like, okay, so if that's working, show me how that's working. What's been the ROI for that time you've spent? Well, nothing, but I have, you know, hundred followers. Great. Who are those followers or how many have resulted in clients? None, yeah. right? So some, it's, it's not that Instagram is not relevant to practice building or couldn't be relevant to practice building, but it's about the order of things, right? So if someone is coming in and working with you, like how do you help them figure out the order of things? Yeah, I think that you, you tapped into something that I think is really common to your listeners and my listeners, and that's it. There, right now, there's a lot of great free Facebook groups out there where you can get a lot of advice. <laughs> uh, but... It's not always the most focused advice. Advice in, in quotations. <laughs> advice. <laughs> uh, 
so people are speaking from their experiences. Yeah. And, and so in general, in the same way we want to specialize with what therapists we might want to see if our family is dealing with something, we also want to say, well, whose stream are we going to jump into? Yeah, yeah. Because then there's a coherent kind of check check marks, uh, you know, to-do list, way that they approach things. And yeah. not that you can't listen to a whole bunch of podcasts and you can't, you know, follow a bunch of different people. But I think at some point, if you're looking to move forward, you want to have that coherent step-by-step. -step. So um, a couple of our next level practice people that are in that membership community, uh, they went from having Oh, how, did, how many did she have? One of our ladies, she had, I think, four clients a week in January. And then by March, she was up to 14. And so she went from four to 14. So 10 clients extra per week in just a couple months by doing a couple of things. So she came to our, our webinars where we talked about, well, what are the basics of starting a practice? So you look at the nuts and bolts. You're going to want to walk through. Do you have your LLC, if that's most appropriate in your state, set up? Do you have your name set up that's just not your name so that you can expand into a group practice if you want? Mm -hmm. Do you have your website set up? Do you have your basic SEO? Uh, you know, From there, are you blogging regularly um, so that you can be ranking higher in Google? Are you doing internal linking? Um, so all these things build upon themselves. Like You're not going to be writing a bunch of blog posts and internal linking until you have a website. You're not going to have a website until you have a name. You're not going to have a name until you, you know, have filed your LLC. So when you do those things, then you know we, we cover some Q&As where people will just show up and say, here's where I'm stuck. And so they know that everyone in that community has walked through the same steps and now they're stuck at how do I network online and offline? Okay, so we do a webinar on online and offline marketing. And then when when you can ask questions to other people that are in that same flow as you, you're going to get better answers and you're going to yeah. get kind of better speed. So I would just encourage people, whether that's a small group in your community, whether that's you know finding a micro group on Facebook or joining a, a community, find that stream to jump into and yeah. stick with that stream for a while. Because if you get information from all these different consultants, oftentimes you feel like you need to do it all and you're gonna you're not gonna get that step by step. It's a major threat to people's progress, right? Is you can actually become information bloated. And I talk about that a lot on this show, which is um it's like eating, right? Do don't take in more than you can actually digest. Right? Yeah. And it's the same thing for information. It's the same thing of, of when we talk about learning about business and practice building. Right. And so getting the building blocks in place or there, and, 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 you know, sometimes the order does get messed up or you, maybe you've been open for six months and then you realize you need to file an LLC or whatever it is. But when you have a roadmap or when you have something like, um, your group, right. And some guidance, you're going to put those building blocks into place first. And I think it clears mental space for you to think about the next building block, right? So if all the foundational parts are in place, whether it's your systems, your LLC, right. Um, the things that you need as a foundation for any business, it frees up mental space for you to shift and think about, okay, I'm getting really clear now on my marketing message. And then I'm taking that message and getting it in front of more people. So how do I do that? Um, you know, and you've got, you've just got more mental bandwidth to really problem solve um, the next problem that's, that's kind of on your list. Well, and I think that also to just be able to be given permission to not do something. Uh, oh, you know, if huge. you're if you're listening mm -hmm. to a podcast, I remember when I first started practice of the practice, I listened to Pat Flynn's podcast religiously. So every week, or you know, he'd have one or two sessions or podcasts a week, and someone would say, "You've got to change this in the banner on your website," and then the next person would say, "No, you've got to you know be doing this kind of blogging," and then someone else would say, "No, you've got to be an Amazon affiliate." And I thought I had to do all of it, not realizing that when you're a podcaster 
you're interviewing just a lot of interesting people that are giving their perspective and they aren't all part of a cohesive plan always. Yeah. And so for me to then go change my website every time someone says something and oh, now I need an opt in. Now I need to have this trigger and this. It's not part of that cohesive plan. And so being able to say right now, the best use of my time is to be marketing in person, to be networking with people. I'm going to do that for a month. And then next month, I'm going to do this. So what we do uh, with Next Level Practice is we have a monthly challenge. And so we, for example, a couple months ago, we had, if you didn't have a Google My Business account, you had to set it up and just get all the basics filled in. So that included getting the postcard from Google, all of that. If you already had an established one, your goal was to get five reviews, not from clients. So yeah, friends, family, huge. colleagues, anybody that would say, hey, John's a good person. He's a great therapist. Yeah. I know him as a friend. I would trust you know anybody with him. So then they have that focus. For this month, do nothing but get those reviews. When you're done with that, then you can move on to other things. That's huge. And, so, and then to have it be kind of gamified where people are posting pictures of it. I got eight reviews. Mm -hmm. And well, I'm going to get 11 reviews. And we encourage people to make side bets on things. And you know it just becomes fun. <laughs> where then the entire community says, this is the one thing we're going to do. Yeah. And so, like, for example, next month we have a blogging course that's coming out. It's a 12-part blogging course on how to blog. We're giving everybody 100 images for their blogs that they can use that we made, had Sam make. Um, but then we're going to encourage them for the challenge to do a certain number of blog posts. So then it's like, okay, we're all doing this together. If you're stuck on internal linking or finding keywords, let's do it together so that we all yeah. level up quicker. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of the way that, in graduate school or undergraduate, you kind of band together and, and suffer together and get yeah. through it and go, okay, what is APA style again? Where does the period go? And then the person next to you goes, oh, it goes right here. I already did this. Yeah. And you just well, got one person up. made all of the note cards. And yeah. Like, hey, there's always that person. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Well, and there are thousands, I guess, probably tens of thousands of therapists starting private practices every month, right? So, you can do it alone, sure. And you'll probably eventually get there if you really stick with it. Um, it might take you, you know, X amount of times longer than if you had support, if you were going through these steps together. Just this morning, um, it's funny you mentioned Google My Business. This morning, I'm working with a coaching client who's been open for probably two and a half or three years. And we're looking, we're trying to diagnose what was going on with her SEO. And I'm going, okay, so one of the first places I start is Google My Business. And I try to find her on the map and I go, okay, so something's going on. I'm not finding you on the map at all. So how are, how are clients going to find you? And she right. hadn't finished filling out her Google My Business profile, right? And if we hadn't stopped and looked at that, um, she would continue, um, you know, without it, not knowing that you're you're basically missing out on f free traffic effectively. Yeah. And so well, just and, getting and you it said all you'll done probably and, be successful. The, the yeah. stats, depending on what you look at, anywhere between 80 and 90% of small businesses will fail in the first five years. Yeah. And so... You know, we would hope that people would stick around, but the reality is, you know, paying rent, if you're not having people coming in, you're not going to keep your business open. And so John and I, we both want to see people be wildly successful yeah. because we've seen that it changes your life. It, it's not just you're making money. It's that you then get to design a practice that impacts your community and you also get to create the kind of lifestyle and influence that you want to have. Joe, I'm see I've seen a lot of therapists recently um, or lately who are trying to grow too fast. They're growing faster than their business or in effect growing faster than their revenue. So whether it's hiring three clinicians where they don't have the referrals, they don't have the website ready, they don't have, um, or, or they, they lease, you know, six offices, but have no one to fill them with. Right. 
what are you do you see that as well and how do you help people make sure they don't put themselves in a deficit right I mean, and are operating from that a deficit like that yeah so for me uh i kind of go back and forth between being hyper risk averse uh so i probably should have upgraded away sooner than i actually did to then also in other areas i'll jump before i really look at what i'm jumping towards <laughs> so i think there's a danger on both sides because Oftentimes, if you don't have the referrals and you bring in three other clinicians, um, assuming they know that you don't have the referrals, they're not coming in saying, okay, I'm going to fill you up right away, but they get that it's going to grow with them. That can be a great thing because I remember when I brought this lady, Sarah, on, uh, she only wanted to work Saturdays. Uh, We didn't have the referrals to justify bringing her on, but her family's well-known in town. She's super connected to a lot of different areas I'm not connected. And her first Saturday, she had four clients. And so... She was out there passing her business card out into communities that nobody knew about mental wellness counseling. And so oftentimes those new clinicians will get into kind of bubbles of influence that you're not a part of. So on that side, sometimes it does make sense to bring in more people before you have the referrals. But, you know, you also want to look at worst case scenario. And so when people are saying, should I upgrade to the next office? Um, That's a big question in our community. Oftentimes we look at, so say things just tapered down and you know for three months it was really slow do you have three months of income of what it takes to sustain your practice just saved up so also if you as a family need to have x number of dollars coming in to live your current lifestyle how how simple could you live like if you stopped going out to eat stop doing a lot of things like what's the bare minimum your family needs to survive to just get by and when we have those numbers oftentimes it takes a lot less money than we think it would take when we look at, okay, if we didn't go out to eat and do all these things, then I actually don't need to have 50 clients a week. You know, I only need to have eight. Um, but then we also look at, we want to have some savings and have that kind of risk be mitigated. Yeah. It's the same. Um, the way you manage your personal finances um, can be a mirror to how you manage your business finances, right? And like, is you know setting aside your rainy day fun i think is huge um i'm a big dave ramsey fan i don't know if you listen oh, to him yeah. at all but you know we, his we, baby steps, on, his baby steps are crucial baby steps now. I, yeah. I love it you know and it's the same thing right like it, his yeah. whole thing is like it will rain so be ready yeah. for when it rains um so yeah i mean i think the, the other caveat um around finances and private practice especially when you're in that zero to 100k range is every time i spend a dollar i feel like it's coming out of my pocket right or it's a lot of therapists going you know they're bootstrapping right they're not taking out big business loans which in general i think that's that's the right way to do it if you can and then other therapists every now and then they have a thirty thousand dollars to spend and that can go well or you can blow that money in not the right ways but so how do you help people click out of that mindset of like, um, you know, they might think that, oh, you know, $100 is a lot to spend on a chair or whatever it might be. And they're so personally connected with their money because it is, in effect, their money. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's a great question. So I'd say when people are around the 50000 gross mark, that's when we want to really start shifting the mindset. And so the things that will get you there will often be bootstrapping, hard work. You're taking those clients when maybe it's not your ideal time, uh, that you're really wearing as many hats as possible. Uh, and the things that really move you into that growth phase before the scaling phase is taking those hats off. And you know, the top, top clinicians, what they'll do is they realize that they can buy multipliers. So just like any board game you play or you know, video game or whatever – There's multipliers oftentimes, and that will help you do more in a shorter period of time. So, for example, 
you know, if you know that you're getting to be almost full in your practice and you're a cash-based practice, well, you, sh you should probably raise your rates. So mm -hmm. raise your rates, do it just for new people, do a two-week experiment, raise your rates. If you see one extra person at $200 instead of 150, that's an extra $50 a week. Now, or plus the you know 150 for that extra person. Now, if you're then paying somebody to answer your phones, call them back, you're now multiplying your time because with that $200 you just brought in, yeah. You then could buy 10 hours of somebody else's time for 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. And so that starts to multiply your time where you look at how many hours a week you're working, but then now add that extra 10 hours. So it starts to multiply. So then you can multiply in other areas too. And that's not just people or virtual assistants. It can be tools. So tools like therapy notes, tools like, um, you know, any kind of way that you can optimize your time, practice solutions, you know, yeah. these places that it comes off of your to-do list and you just do what you do best. And initially in that zero to 50K, it's usually therapy is the best use of your time yeah from that 50 to 100 we want to start looking at well how do we get other clinicians to be working so it's not just your own time in the chair but we're bringing in some part-time people they're going to work nights and weekends and all those times that you're not using your office and that's going to make it easier for you to scale because now it's not just based on you you're multiplying your time we were um i was doing the math the other day with a therapist around you know, when should I hire a virtual assistant? When should I have someone answering the phones? So it's a huge question. And you and I could talk for an hour about that alone, I'm sure. But um, most of the time when you have someone who is good answering the phone, um, I don't see a lot of therapists regretting it, right? And when she and I did the math, it was, okay, so looking, look at your phone right now. How many calls have you missed today or this week? She had already missed two calls this morning while she was in session. That client could very well be going down a list of names or a tab, you know, tabs in a window going, I'm going to call this therapist. And if they don't answer, I'm going to call this therapist, right? So potentially two clients who are coming to pay $150 a session, right? Once a week, four times a month, et cetera. Even, even potentially missing one of those calls could pay for a, a virtual assistant in itself, Right, so yeah, that's I would the, say yeah, it's, a VA is almost always cost positive. Yeah. They're almost always um, going to help you. They're not going to be an expense. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be a multiplier be because of just what you said. So if you know that your average client comes 10, 10 times when they come in and you charge 150 bucks, that's a $1,500 missed phone call if they were going to convert. And then if you know your numbers about for every five phone calls, we get one person coming in and we say, well, how do we make that too? How do we improve our systems? Then you, you're able to then make those adjustments with your VA to be able to make it really worth it. Okay, so right now your numbers are one out of five are getting scheduled. Let's work on improving that. And then you know that for every single person that they schedule, that's an extra $1,500 for the business. Plus then if they do referrals, so you look at the lifetime value of them. It almost always makes sense to right. really early on have somebody answering your phones. Right. Assuming it's a, it's someone who's doing a good job and actually answering the phone or has a good way with clients, right? Yeah. 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 You're not paying them to just sit in your office. Usually you want to yeah. kind of pay as you go where when they're on the phone, they're getting paid and they understand that then they're just getting paid for the time that they're working, not for just sitting around. Yeah, for sure. Joe, what, what else are we missing and what, what else can people expect to get from next level practice? Yeah, I mean, next level practice, uh, there's kind of three main components with our, our membership community. We think of it more as an ecosystem than a membership community because membership communities, you think of it as like 
it's kind of impersonal, maybe self-paced, but uh, the three different components we have. First, we have community. So for community, uh, we have our private Facebook group that's just limited to people that are in next level practice. Uh, you're also paired into a six to eight person small group that then has the same format that we use with next level mastermind uh, so that people can really get the most out of that. So there's hot seats and it's uh, the group is the one that runs that. And then you're also given an accountability partner. So another person that you know is on your side that you're checking in with. Uh, I was just doing a bunch of interviews with next level practice uh, practitioners. And so many of them said that Emily did an amazing job pairing people up um, just like at slow down school when she assigned <laughs> roommates. It's yeah. just like these people that uh, one lady's first piece of mail was from her accountability partner at her new practice. That's and awesome. she said that, you know, they're like soulmates. And so we try to really pair people up well so that there's that personal side because as a private practice owner, it can be lonely, but then also being a private practice owner <clears throat> that values entrepreneurship, values marketing, all the things you and I talk about, so often we just we're just alone in our cities and you know we're online a lot. So we, we definitely address the, the community side. The, the next side is the training side. So I usually do two to three webinars a month that are live as well. Allison uh, Pigeon, who she has a group practice that brings in 30 to $40,000 a month. And then Casey Compton, who has a $5 million practice um, that she grew in three years. The three of us all do a, a variety of different webinars each month. And then we also do live Q and A's where it's basically one-on-one -on -one consulting. People jump in, they have a question. We then break those up by question and put it into our hub, uh, which is in Teachable. So then people can go back if they miss a webinar or for some reason they, they couldn't make it. They can go through, they can watch all the webinars, they can watch all the Q&As that are kind of divided up in that library. And then I also create different courses each month within that. So this month I recorded the 12-part course that was all on blogging, walking people through all 12 of these videos of how do you blog so that you can rank, rank higher in Google and connect with your ideal client. And then the third part is kind of tools of the trade. And so every month we try to give people something that is beyond the cost of being in the group. So for example, they get a free logo. Sam made 50 logos, she keeps making more. Um, people get to pick their color, their logo and the font. And so we're able to give really high quality logos to people at a much reduced, well, it's totally free for the people that are in it. Uh, or we'll give away my paperwork packet or blog images, things that if you went and paid a designer to make for you would cost hundreds of dollars, but because we have this group and very few people that are in the same city in the same industry, it's okay if we're all using the same content uh, because it just helps us all continue to grow. So yeah, those three areas, uh, we, we love helping people start and grow their practices. I wish I had this about seven Seriously. years ago when I was I know. Uh, figuring it out the hard way and trying to piecemeal it all together. So yeah. And, and our goal, people yeah. ask, you know, how long does this last? Our goal is that this becomes as essential as a website for people that they say for this 77 bucks a month, uh, the ROI is just so big. I mean, if you have one new client that comes, uh, you've paid for your whole year. Yeah. Uh, and so we really want it to be so essential for people that they, they really can grow with it. So our first cohort that started in January, we have probably 10 people from that cohort of 40 uh, that are already adding uh, clinicians to their practice. And so now we're adding trainings all about how do you add clinicians? What do you think through? Uh, we didn't expect people to level up that fast. I mean, it was called next level practice, but I didn't expect it to be that fast. Uh, and so now we're doing a lot of trainings around how do you add clinicians? What do you think through? How do you make sure you do that right? And we want to be able to go from start to scale and have pretty much start to finish. How do you get a practice going? How do you then move into that growth phase? And then how do you get into that scaling phase? 
Joe, how can people get in touch? How can they sign up? Yeah, yeah. The best way to do that is at practiceofthepractice.com forward slash invite. And so you'll request the invite. And then the next time we open a cohort, uh, you can jump into that. Amazing. Joe Sanok, Practice of the Practice. Thanks for being here, man. It's always a pleasure to have you. And um, yeah, keep, keep doing good work. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, do me a big favor and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Also, head on over to privatepracticeworkshop.com forward slash guide to download the free guide on how to write web copy that converts. Again, that's privatepracticeworkshop.com forward slash guide. All right. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.